Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report, Vaccine Report. Today, this is Dr. Lee with a great team, Dr. Mike Eden, Dr. Jan C. Lindsay, and Henley Reese. We have two of our experts from the UK, and Dr. Jan C. Lindsay is a United States toxicologist and molecular biologist. And we're going to talk about the big picture. How are they using mRNA technology, code word, advanced therapeutics, you'll hear more about, and what that means for you and your health and how they are using that technology as a road to the World Economic Forum, Davos, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, Agenda 2030 for massive control of humanity and altering the human genome in a major transhumanism agenda to alter God's gift of life as God designed it and change it into something conceived in the Machiavellian minds of Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, and the whole cabal that are trying to change humanity into cyborgs and nanobots and robots to serve their agenda. This America is not what God created. It's not what our founders created. And we have really a huge discussion today on the big picture, which Dr. Eden, Dr. Mike Eden, former Pfizer vice president and chief scientist worldwide, for respiratory pharmacology and immunology, also a background in toxicology, is going to be presenting from the international perspective with what he's seeing going on in Europe and especially in the UK that is supporting exactly what I just said. They are using the mRNA vaccines as the road to total control of humanity in fulfilling the WEF Agenda 2030. Dr. Eden, let's start with you, and then we'll hear from Hedley Reese about what it really means when they say advanced therapeutics, like it's some Star Trek development that they are going mm -hmm. to magically create. We'll talk about that. And in the second half, don't go away, everybody, because in the second half, Dr. Jancy Lindsay as a toxicologist and molecular biologist, is going to bring us some explosive information about devastating neurologic complications of the mRNA shots, as well as 
new findings on the way in which the shots are damaging sperm and ovaries and fertility. So more on that in the second half. Dr. Heaton, why don't you paint the big picture from, let's say, the 100,000-foot view that you're seeing from overseas on just exactly what's going on? You're noting aggressive movement in four major areas I'd like for you to share with our audience today. Sure. Let let me do that. I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, the, the theme that the mRNA based injections are, are a tyranny and, and a terror is, is established in my mind. And I've said this several times very briefly that uh, when you're injected with uh, an mRNA product that encodes some foreign protein, and in the case of the COVID so-called vaccines, it encoded the spike protein. What happens, as I've said before, is your body takes that up because it's coated in these lipid nanoparticles and it manufactures a foreign protein, and in this case, the spiky bit from the virus. When your body manufactures non-self proteins, your immune system goes crazy. It recognizes an enemy within, and it unleashes lethal attacks on the cells that are that are it, it views as uh, contravening the normal regulation. So does that follow that if you have numerous mRNA-based injections, especially if they're designed to persist in the body, they would have that, those liabilities. Yes, 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 it does mean that. And so the really frightening development a few months ago, hearing that Moderna and Pfizer have agreed with numerous governments around the world, uh, business terms to acquire uh, 10 injections for every man, woman, child and baby in, in each country fills me with with horror because I view that as a weapon of extinction. So I won't come back to that. I've got good colleagues here with me that that can describe how the UK government in particular is trying to set itself up as a sort of Star Trek based, you know, go forward uh, center in the world. But I I just think this is cover for for all the activities required to make all these these dangerous products. Um, So what am I seeing? Um, the, The two things that have come to mind over the last three years, uh, you know, two things. One is control, uh, loss of our freedoms and autonomy and customary rights, and instead to have ourselves controlled uh, digitally by some you know, unseen centrally held database uh, whereby you know, where we can travel, what we can buy, uh, you know, who we can interact with, what we must do with our bodies in order to stay valid are going to be defined by people out of sight, not people you elect uh, or people you could get rid of. So that's that's the really big picture. And within that, we hear talk of the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs. You can Google these. Um, you can go and look these up um, and they'll come across as nice and fluffy, you know, like uh, um, reducing pollution or whatever. But each time, there's like an ostensible reason for the goal. So in terms of pollution, you think, well, that sounds great. It would be good to have less pollution, wouldn't it? But then there's a real reason. For everyone, there's ostensible, which is good, and the real one, which is not good. And in the case of, say, reduced pollution or reduced carbon emission, they mean you and me be colder, less well-fed, and have less mobility and, and maybe no freedom. So that's what these diabolical people want to accomplish. So what have I been seeing since getting home? 
some aggressive movements on at least four of those fronts. And I can step through them relatively quickly. Uh, at the heart of this system, uh, I think, are two, two electronic databases, which sounds trivial, but they're, they're unbelievably, they will be, they will change our lives forever in a way that I think will be irreversible. We must stop it forming. A bit like Skynet in these Terminator movies. We've got to stop this network forming with us having to carry a digital ID. So some people will say, well, it's just like a passport. Well, it's not. Let me tell you, folks. Um, passports, there are probably about 196 different formats. Uh, they can recognize each other because they have a picture, your name, your date of birth, and your, your country of origin. But there's nothing else about that passport that's um, interoperable, that's identical. The digital ID that they will impose upon us will be common format, whether you're in Birmingham, England, or Birmingham, Alabama. You know, that's the point. It'll be a one format thing for the first time ever in human history. So what am I seeing? I got home uh, maybe a month and a half ago to discover that the British government is put out has put out for consultation. So they issue some documents and ask for your comments. Uh, a consultation, several consultations. One is on digital ID. Should we have one or not? Uh, they did not advertise it. So only, the only people who were able to tell anyone else it was going on were people who were paying attention. And we could only communicate through sort of non-mainstream media. So, of course, I would say 90% of the population have no idea that this, this activity is coming towards them. It will be viewed as having gone through a consultation. And since not many people uh, disliked it, it will just happen. That's the way these sneaky people will do it. Uh, so the digital ID consultation has just closed. Deadline was first of this month. Hardly anybody responded because they didn't know what was going on. Number two, louder and louder talk, including on mainstream media now, of central bank digital currencies. I think that's the second database, along with digital ID, that we will come to know and hate because it'll, if we let it form, it'll control everything we do. Uh, and I remember being told about this by very good finance lady, Catherine Austin Fitz. She said they can program this easily using an algorithm so that if they don't want you to be able to buy pizza, you will not be able to buy pizza. You'll present your payment card or app on your phone. And if you are, for some reason, a bad person, not allowed to buy pizza, she's joking, but the point is this precision is there. Then you know my friend could go and order a pizza. My wife might order one and I go to the counter. When I try to pay, the computer intervenes and denies me that payment authority. Um, it could also stop you spending anything beyond a defined radius from your registered address. So if they say you can't be more than five miles from home and you're six miles from home, you won't be able to buy a bottle of water or a gallon of gas. It's that easy. It's that easy. So what are they doing? This time, what I heard was the Bank of England, that's the central bank like the Federal Reserve, uh, European Central Bank, Bank of England staff demanding in public that the politicians take it, take a stance, make a decision about whether the central bank digital currency or digital pound, digital dollar be programmable or not. If it's programmable, they could, for example, set it to expire. So if you had $1,000 or £1,000 in your digital wallet, if that currency can be either partly or wholly programmable, it's quite possible that when it's issued to you by your employer 
or given to you by the state as a benefit, a clock will be ticking on it. And if you don't spend it in a week or a month, it, it expires. It becomes like a voucher and not and not money at all. Um, so so that's and and of course then I could hear lots of um uh hiding. The politicians did not want to be seen to be the ones that were proceeding with a programmable money because it could have this voucher quality and it's nothing like the money you've got at the moment. It could erode with inflation, but if the bank doesn't collapse, it's still there. You can always get it out and you can spend it. So this is the first time I've heard a public pressure from the central bank to the politicians to say, you have to decide this. Obviously, what they want is a programmable the digital financial system, but they know that the it's only semi-legitimate if the politicians do it. So that that was I found that quite malevolent hearing the central bank more or less waving a stick at the politicians to say, you know, we, we're going to get these citizens, but you need to do it. It's not something we can do. So that's a consultation as well. That one goes and expires in June. So we've, we've got a few months. I, I don't imagine for a moment that they'll pay any attention to what we say because it's no... No, no civilization requires digital money managed by the central bank. Evidence the last several thousand years. You do not need it. I do not need it. We don't need a digital ID to manage our lives. It's the perpetrators. It's the controllers. They want these things. So we need to recover the power of no and our courage and our ability to persuade each other in the street that we don't care what these people in loco parentis pretending to be our parents want we don't want them. And we must decline, for example, digital ID. And I've publicly stated I'm not signing up for it, even if as, as a result, I'm excluded because it's it's the start of the end. So that's the second one. The third one is just really strange. Uh, last year, there were regional shortages, for example, of, of hen eggs, eggs, ordinary eggs. And uh, my sister lives five miles from a small town. And in her little area, there were no eggs whatsoever within like a five-mile radius. But when she crossed over a, like a county borderline, there were full eggs in every single supermarket. So someone was deciding to deprive that community for a week or two of fresh eggs. And guess what? The conversations in all the, par in, in all the uh, houses and in all the bars were shortages of food, shortages, shortages. I think they're conditioning us to expect rationing. And I think they want us to accept rationing because a, a, a way to be able to do that would be for you to be able to identify yourself when you show up and want your ration of whatever it is, eggs or bacon or anything. You, then we've got to make sure, surely, that it's equitably distributed. So you can see how rationing makes digital ID uh, more palatable. People are, will nod and say, well, yes, I can see uh, uh, in order to fairly distribute the limited material we need we need a way of ration you know rationing and in order to not cheat you need digital id you don't by the way in second world war britain uh, we had rationing and they would just issue ration cards they were just paper and each week you know the grocer would just put a cross through the, the allowance until there was no more left so you don't need you don't need uh, digital ration cards but so what's happening now is not shortages of eggs but shortages of fresh produce like salad in particular um, a total absence of tomatoes and cucumbers. I mean, it's just crazy. Southern England is like 26 miles from northern France. I'm, I'm, I'm in southern France at the moment. France is completely replete with 
fresh produce. So I'm saying that 26 miles away from where there isn't any in southern England, all the supermarkets are full of lettuce, tomatoes, capsicums, radishes, mushrooms, everything. But just across, you know, like a one hour boat ride across, there's none of it. I, I am I am asserting these are deliberate, uh, you know, d- temporary pipeline blockages in order to condition the public to expect that there will be rationing. There, I don't believe there is any shortfall at the moment in food. I think it's just a deliberate diversion. So that's the third thing I've seen happening. And you start to get, I don't know whether, I don't think it's paranoid. I think you become sensitized to what's going on. Uh, and the fourth one um, is, I would say, the gathering signs, multiple signs of a desire to restrict our rights to travel. So, so we we had no difficulty coming from England to France, um, but um, other people, uh, lots of places, and I'm living in one, are uh, being subject to this experimental so-called 15-minute cities, which sounds like a good idea that you should be able to reach everything you need for your life within 15-minute, you know, uh, cycle ride or walk. Uh, and that would be all very well, except what they have in mind is that you will not be allowed to move beyond this 15 minute radius, except for a certain number of rationed tra- uh, tra- travel you know, transits. So what's being suggested where I live, believe it or not, folks, is that I can get in my car and leave my home and cross an automatic number plate recognized barrier on the edge of my city. And every single road in and out of the city is manned by these ANPR cameras 100 times a year. So that means if I went out on a Monday morning and back on Monday night, that's it for the week. I can't go anywhere else because if I do it every Monday, that's my 100 movements. And I don't believe it'll be 100 movements for long. You know, once it's been going for a while, it'll be 50 and then 10. And then it'll only be the elites that can even leave their neighborhood. It's it's geofencing by stealth. Um, And I'm seeing it in places like railway stations. Britain's famous for its railways. Um, and you've always been able to buy tickets using cash uh, or cards or increasingly online apps. Station after station is now refusing to accept cash for travel. That doesn't sound like a big deal if it's if it's just your local station, but when you take a twenty thousand foot view and you think they're winking cash out, you won't be able to, you won't be able to travel without using electronic money. So these things go together. Um, there were there were a couple of others, but I've forgotten them. But that that's the kind of thing. So food rationing, travel restrictions, digital ID, and the, the centralizing of, of money. Those are things that that trouble me greatly. Um, I think I don't have perfect solution. I do believe that the more people who know this and are willing to think the unthinkable, that is. The people who are running your society and and the inter, their international partners actively wish you and your family harm. Uh, you, unfortunately, if you can't get there, you you will dismiss everything I'm saying. I'm asking you to experimentally adopt that stance, and unfortunately, you'll find everything will suddenly wink into perfect focus because that is what's happening. So I'll I'll take a pause there, uh, Dr. Lee. Well, I think you're absolutely right, Dr. Eden, and the bottom line for what you've just said is everyone listening needs to exercise their human God-given free will. Just say no 
to the controls that are that they are trying to force on us. And Americans need look no further back than the beginning of the food stamps program in this country when you were not allowed to buy certain foods using food stamps. Now that mm. has changed, but that control was in place in the early years of the food stamps program and people were only allowed to buy certain foods on the list. Well, turn that around and look at controlling through digital currency and digital payments. And now you can't even cheat the way that people found a way around the controls in the past. And now you can't cheat at all because they just turn off the payments. America, you need to listen to what Dr. Eden is saying. And now I want to bring Hadley Reese in to talk about this Star Trek vision of advanced therapeutics. You know, the left is very good at using all of these highfalutin sounding, positive sounding words to describe a very dark agenda. So what do they really mean by that, Hadley? And is that even possible? And what is it a cover-up for that is the real plan? Could you address those points? Hi, Dr. Lee. Good, good to chat again. And I'm going to start off with the basics. Um, this may seem a very sort of simple statement, but these advanced therapies are still drugs. They're still prescription medicines, and they have to comply with the same rules of those medicines. They start off as an unknown substance. So this unknown substance has to go first of all through preclinical testing, that is to make quantities of the, of, of, of the compound, to test, to make sure that it's safe, and to continue testing all the way through the life cycle of the development process until uh, the drug is approved. And typically that takes about 11.5 years for a drug. So don't think these therapies being advanced makes them any different to anything else. In fact, what advanced means is experimental. It means untried. It means, well, they've got huge potential, but no one has managed to get them to market successfully to be safe and effective. So what I want to point out here is that I've said numbers of times, the UK is the test bed, is the center of the global um, Bill Gates initiative to rule the world, if you like. Um, on the 14th and 15th of March in the UK, there's a conference called Advanced Therapies 2023. And attending that will be Peter Marks, who, who has FDA's full responsibility for approving um, biologic drugs, which these advanced therapies are. And um, he will be there along with hundreds and hundreds of other companies working in advanced therapies. One of the companies giving a keynote presentation is Lonza. This is the largest contract development and uh, manufacturing organization in the world. They actually make the mRNA drug substance for Moderna. That is a public domain, and I'll send you the link to... Uh, 
to prove that. So we know that we have this conference and these conferences typically are about business. They put the people who want to sell the drugs together with those who could approve them or who could make them or help develop them. And ultimately, it's all about business and making money. And again, I'll send you the link to this conference, uh, Dr. Lee. There's one in Portugal then in September. So what I'm saying is, whilst the... Um, the original pandemic, if you want to call it that, and the mRNA injections from it, once we are now becoming very well aware that this has been a complete sham, the industry is still moving forward at pace with developing mRNA, and it makes no sense whatsoever I've been through this agenda. I look at the people and the companies involved, and they have never brought a drug to market in their lives. You know, they are research scientists who've been in, in deep research and never been in a plant that makes a vaccine. Um, you've got investors who have never been inside a plant that makes a vaccine. You've got regulators, you've got the MHRA there. They are uh, heavily involved. We've got the UK NHS there. And these are people who have got no idea what they're doing. You know, they are playing with fire, if, if, you, um, if, if you want to call it that. And uh, in previous discussions we've had, I, I've spoken about how the UK MHRA have now made it allowable for hospital pharmacies to finish off these advanced therapies after the manufacturer has supplied them in the same way as the frozen vaccines. So we've now in the UK allowing hospital pharmacies to interfere with the product that they've been supplied, which would not be a finished product, and do the finishing operations like thawing, like diluting, um, and all the associated activities with that, such as the inventory control, it is a complete nonsense, but it, it's happening. So I'm having to pinch myself, having been a 40-year veteran in the in industry and worked closely with FDA and other regulators up until maybe the last five or eight years. I just cannot believe what's, what's happening. So along with what Dr. Mike is saying, in terms of the, the big picture, I'm saying the picture on these mRNA vaccines, I won't call them vaccines, the injections, is, is frightening. It is to me as a physician as well, because when I've seen the damage from the COVID shots that we've already seen in my own patients who got the shot, as well as in what the data is showing, to know that the FDA is not requiring further disclosure in clinical trials to change traditional vaccines to mRNA technology, I find devastatingly dangerous. And I couldn't in good conscience recommend any shots going forward that have that technology, no matter what name they give it. If they're trying to hide under the name advanced therapeutics, then 
that's further deception for the public, just like what they've already done with the whole COVID pandemic and the lies about the mRNA shots being safe and effective when we know they're neither one. Let's take a break at this point, and we will be right back after the break with explosive new information from Dr. Jancy Lindsay about the impact of the COVID shots on the brain and on reproduction. This is Dr. Lee for America. Check us out on the Whistleblower Report every day, Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, where we have all the resources from all the people you've been hearing on the Whistleblower Report. We will be right back. America out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. This message is from the Truth For Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate. Many of them have lost their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating the constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That is truthforhealth.org. Truth, the word for, 
www.ohiohealth.org. This is Dr. Ray for America with the Whistleblower Report. Welcome back to the second half with today's vaccine report. And you've heard from Dr. Mike Eden in the first half about the 100,000-foot view about what's coming with using the mRNA vaccine technology as the road to the WEF Agenda 2030 and total control of humanity. And the already what's happening in the UK and in other places in Europe with the digital ID and the central bank digital currency controls being very much in the forefront of the planning and what lies ahead. Our job as free citizens is to just say no. Now, I'd like us to talk with Dr. Jancy Lindsay about some explosive information she has from research that she's been doing as a toxicologist and molecular biologist, which dovetails with Dr. Yeadon's experiences in toxicology and immunology. So in the second half, we'll be focusing on neurologic and reproductive effects of the COVID shots. Dr. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Lee, uh, for having me, Dr. Valit. Thank you. Go ahead and tell us what is going on with what is happening with the damage we're seeing with rapidly progressing dementia in people after the shots, the COVID shots. Can you talk about that and talk about some of the rare forms of rapidly progressing uh, dementia that have been reported since the rollout of the COVID shots that are quite striking. Some of these particular forms I know you want to tell our listeners about are ones that I I can think of only two cases I've known in my entire 40 years career in medicine. And you have data that is truly stunning. Uh, Yeah, Dr. Valit, we're talking about um, immunopathologies and uh, and Creutzfeldt's Jacobs disease, which is a prion disease. Um, these are two separate types of dementia-inducing diseases. One, um, we know that the spike protein goes to the brain, goes to all organs of the body, and in the brain, um, it's apically expressed on on the cells in the brain, where your immune system then, if if it um, also uh, passes the blood-brain barrier, can go in and attack those cells that are displaying this foreign viral protein, as, as Mike very elegantly explained. Um, another thing that is happening is a type of prion disease where proteins are becoming misfolded in the brain in adopting a prion-like conformation. Um, that is similar to Creutzfeldt-Jacobs disease. And normally this takes a very long time to appear, decades to really cause problems in individuals. And in this case, it is occurring within an average of 11.5 days following these shots. Um, it's Wow, really that is stunning. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Normally we have between 300 and 350 cases of Creutzfeldt-Jacobs disease. Um, in a year. 
And uh, there were 26 cases that were identified in just the space of a few months in 2021 over in France. There's a great article called The Emergence of a New Creutzfeldt-Jacobs Disease, 26 Cases of the Human Version of Mad Cow Disease Days After a COVID-19 Injection. The lead author is Jean-Claude Perez. Um, the anchor author is Luc Montier. This was published uh, after his death, but he, he contributed uh, largely to it. Dr. Stephanie Seneff has weighed in heavily on uh, causation with this, as has Dr. Clausen and um, a couple of other folks who, who have found uh, the motif that causes the proton, the, the prion misfolding in the spike protein. So in mad cow disease, there's a series of 10 glycine uh, XXX amino acid glycine motifs. This is the prion motif. Um, in the spike protein, there are five of these motifs. Um, so it is definitely the spike, the engineered spike protein um, in the original Wuhan strain, as well as the spike protein in the vaccine, both have these five sets of prion domains, which means that they can cause prion disease in any individual. Um, really scary stuff. Um, I can't emphasize enough how serious this is. And, and in these patients, in the, in the um, signature patient in the paper, they also found that they were not able to draw her blood shortly after she started exhibiting these uh, symptoms, these neurological symptoms. And I think that's very interesting because I've been uh, working on the biomaterial clot samples that Richard Hirschman found in his patients um, uh, there was a little documentary about it. I think it, the died suddenly, uh, which went over these long clots being pulled out from patients. I've been doing some immunohistopathology on those and they are very, very unusual. Um, they contain little to no blood. It's mainly, uh, fibrin and collagen fibers, and they're infused with white blood cells, primarily neutrophils. Um, and uh, a colleague over in, uh, over in Germany, Dr. Michael Mortz, found that within some of these white blood cells, uh, the spike protein was present in the nucleus of these cells. And, and uh, we haven't, or he hasn't published on that. I haven't published on that. This is just uh, what he got back to me uh, when I asked him to stain these clots for me for spike protein. And that's very, very interesting. Um, when we get this kind of uh, amyloid type structure, I'll say fibrinoloid is Dr. Kell's lab and Dr. Pretorius has said, it only takes a very small amount of spike protein. The spike almost acts like a nucleation center in a crystal where it takes an infinitesimally small amount of spike in order to cause a chain reaction of this uh, fibrinoloid, amyloid type material that, that has the consistency really of a rubber band um, and clogs up, takes the form of the blood vessels and clogs up the blood vessels. I suspect that this, that this uh, woman who was the sentinel case for, for the Creusfeldt-Jacobs, the 72-year-old woman, um, had these same biomaterial clots 
uh, throughout her veins. And that's why it was so difficult to draw blood from them. Really, really scary stuff. Um, these are bioweapons. They were engineered that way. The vaccine or the genetic vaccine or what have you, <laughs> the genetic bioweapon is a bioweapon and was designed that way. And Mike's right. People have to wake up to this fact and they really need to understand that, um, you know, we're going through some pretty serious times and we need to get these people out of office that are doing this to us immediately. Well, that uh, report from France was quite chilling. As I said, Kreutzfeldt Jakob disease, or the, as you said, the human version of mad cow disease is called also spongiform encephalopathy in cows mm -hmm. destroys the brain. And that is partly why it was progressing so fast. And I just, I, I, I'm stunned by the fact that it was appearing in such a short period of time after the shots. But you were right to point out that they knew the damage from the spike protein. I mean, the toxicity of the spike protein was known for at least 20 years perhaps longer, Dr. Eden may want to comment on that. And they right. used that to inject into people knowing the damage it caused. Go ahead, Dr. Lindsay. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, they've been studying coronaviruses for a long time, uh, particularly at Johns Hopkins, where the uh, rabbit coronavirus was found, which is most closely related to the gain of function coronavirus that they've they worked on to create SARS-CoV-2. Uh, um, that, that was found in isolates of treponema pallidum, the syphilis, the syphilis stocks that were shipped over to Stockholm to study syphilis. Um, they found the, the rabbit coronavirus and they knew early on that, <clears throat> that it was causing um, heart disease, essentially uh, myocarditis and cardiomyopathies. Um, and it was so good at, at, inducing this, this heart disease that, that Barrick uh, of UNC fame in 1992 proposed that they use coronavirus as a model study system to study myocarditis and pericarditis um, in humans by, by inducing it in rabbits. So, so them feigning a lack of knowledge of, of the fact that coronavirus could cause cardiomyopathies is absolutely ridiculous. Um, John Hopkins years earlier had been studying encephalopathic forms of coronavirus as well as uh, gut patho pathological forms of coronavirus. So they had many, many years of research into coronavirus and what differ, different coronaviruses could do pathologically to different parts of the body. So, um, yeah, it, it's quite interesting. All of the, uh, pathological motifs that they were able to engineer into a single, uh, gain of function chimeric virus. And I say that lightly, uh, along with what they were able to pack into the, the, uh, genetic bioweapons called vaccines. Well, thanks, Dr. Lindsay, for summarizing some of the very, very alarming and deadly serious information about Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease in humans following the shots. And, and certainly, I've been seeing clinically 
even just general diffuse brain inflammation that is causing problems with cognition, memory, uh, mood regulation, sleep, pain, awareness, uh, volatility of emotional outbursts. There really have been a lot of broad manifestations of brain inflammation in people who've gotten the COVID shots. But another area that I've been concerned about from early on and was even more alarmed after hearing Dr. Eden's warnings in the fall of 2020 is the reproductive damage. Now, Dr. Eden talked about the similarity between the spike protein and some of the critical proteins needed to form a placenta for a healthy pregnancy. But beyond that, we know that the lipid nanoparticles in studies that were being researched more than 15 years before the shot rolled out and published at least 12 years before the shot rolled out were damaging the ovaries and testicles in all of the animal species tested. And that also got my attention because if you damage the ovaries and testicles, you not only damage fertility, but you damage the hormones that are critical for every organ system function in the body. So that also got my attention. And now you have reason to believe that there is further damage that the spike protein and the lipid nanoparticles are causing that affects reproduction and may even affect whether or not fertilized eggs develop into embryos and then go on to develop into a normal developing human being. So let's talk about that to help our listeners understand why they really need to be stopping getting any more of these shots. And if you haven't gotten one, don't get them. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Valine. Um, we know that these shots are causing incredible reproductive harm, not only from their cross reaction to the syncytins as, as uh, Dr. Yeadon and Dr. Woodard and Dr. Bruno all warned of, uh, but because uh, they are getting to the ovaries and the testes and they are able to be reverse transcribed in these organs because the ovaries and testes have by default high amounts of the reverse transcriptase that, uh, trans that can transcribe the RNA to DNA. And that's the line one uh, tr reverse transcriptase. Um, and we know uh, that line one is being highly expressed in sperm as well as uh, the Pfizer Amplicon has been found in sperm. Um, I won't go into detail on that, but I'll say we know. And uh, what's crazy to me is that not a single reproductive biology lab in the world in the past two and a half years since we've known that these gene therapies go to the testes and go to the ovaries, we've known this for two and a half years, the biodistribution studies, not one reproductive biology lab, uh, and we're talking about thousands of scientists around the world, not one has bothered to do pathology on the ovaries or testes of someone who's been vaccinated with these gene therapies. This is outrageous. 
I, I cannot tell you the gravity of that or just the sheer craziness of it. Um, you have to take this in the context of uh, 30 years ago, the recombinant DNA uh, vac vaccine committee um, or the gene therapy committee, the, the, the committee that handled all of the genetic biologics that were emerging and gave approval or stopped them. Uh, this was dissolved in 2016, no accident. Um, their two main worries were inadvertent gene transfer and, um, and mutagenesis, cancers from mutagenesis and shedding, of course, inadvertently passing on these gene therapies to other people who did not want to receive them or who did not need them. Of course, back then it was just for therapeutic reasons to, to uh, fix inborn errors in metabolism and supply a protein that was genetically missing. Um, now men will be passing on this gene therapy to their sexual partners uh, through their semen. And they can also pass this to their progeny through a mechanism called sperm mediated gene transfer where the, the genetic material is not taken up into the genome directly, but is rather transported extra chromosomally tethered um, by this mechanism called sperm-mediated gene transfer and passed on to progeny where it is expressed in a mosaic fashion for the next two to three generations. Um, this, is, this is remarkable. I, I think that this may be the reason why in fertility labs we're seeing uh, embryo arrest that's being reported by the technicians there. Uh, I know this because I'm working with a couple of different reproductive or fertility laboratories. Uh, they're reporting a new phenomenon of embryo arrest uh, between days three and five and more embryo arrest than they've seen in the past. They're also seeing some type of flocculent material being, um, being released into the, the media where these embryos are being grown. And let's, let's stop for just a second and clarify some medical terms because I'm, I don't want to lose our listeners on this progeny for all of our listeners. That means your children. Yes. Okay. Yes, when sorry. we're talking all of these technical medical terms, it, it to me obscures the human dimension of the enormity of this catastrophe on human reproduction and your ability Listeners, America, your ability to have a child, that's your, that's, your, that's your right as God gives us fertility to decide to have children. It's not the right of the government launching, unleashing these experimental shots that interfere with your ability to have a child or creates a situation where you're passing on a toxin, the spike protein, the lipid nanoparticles through sperm into the child that is created by your sperm joining with a fertilized egg from the person you love. So let's, let's humanize this. The second thing is embryo arrest means death of a fertilized egg and sperm that could become a human. And for Christians who believe that life begins at conception, when your sperm for all you men and your egg for all you women 
when they join together and create a fertilized egg that is capable of becoming a human being, that is when life begins. And these COVID shots are killing that embryo in the development, in the fertility lab. So all of the people that are undergoing fertility treatment, trying to have a child they desperately want, if they've gotten the shots, it's killing that potential in a huge increase in death of the fertilized embryos. So I just really wanted to emphasize that sometimes we get lost in the science and the inhumanity of the technical words, but these are lives. These are lives that are being lost. And Dr. Naomi Wolf just recently did an interview where 13 to 20% birth rate drop in Europe has already been reported. America, that's a devastating blow to families and their desire to have children. So go ahead, Dr. Lindsay. I just wanted to come back to the enormity of what you're talking about. Thank you so much, Dr. Belie. Yes, we're seeing the same thing here in the United States. And I would tell you that if you do pass on these, these genes to your progeny, you are making a transgenic human. That is a transgenic human. We're not talking about transgenic mice or, or trans <clears throat> anymore. We're talking about a transgenic human. Um, it's, it's outrageous that this has not been studied. It's outrageous that they have not done the sequencing on sperm um, or have studied to see whether this is being reverse transcribed in sperm, but it took scientists uh, trying to scrape together laboratory materials and, and do this on their own in order to, to find this out rather than the manufacturers or the CDC or the FDA doing this. It's inexcusable. The same thing for OVA. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we are seeing the same thing in the United States, but, but to make matters worse, fraudulent papers are being, um, are being published that are funded by pharma that are saying that we're not seeing a birth decline. Well, this is absolutely false. And they're being published in order to try to uh, get rid of vaccine hesitancy in pregnant women so that they will take these, these genetic vaccines or gene shots, whatever you want to call them, um, poisons, bioweapons. So they're, they're actually publishing fake papers, just like the hydroxychloroquine fake papers. Remember the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet when they published the, the phony surgisphere papers on hydroxychloroquine that were completely fake? Um, the same thing is happening in the reproductive realm. They are publishing completely fake studies saying that there's no decrease in fertility. There's no decrease in live births when we see in the VAERS system that there's a huge increase um, in stillbirths and miscarriage, which of course reduces the number of live births, that there's a huge increase in birth defects, that there is a decrease in fertility as being reported by the fertility laboratories themselves, the ones that um, will speak up about it. And, uh, you know, this is where we are. Uh, this is intentional. Uh, I personally believe, as do many others, that these bioweapons were created to reduce the population as well as kill people. Um, well, I mean, 
same thing. You know, I just don't (laughs) see how anyone can conclude otherwise, Dr. Lindsay, when we are seeing massive infertility, menstrual irregularities, declining sperm counts, and now from the research that you're aware of infertility labs, the death of embryos of, of fertilized eggs. I, I mean, all of that, plus the sudden death of young, healthy people. I mean, Edward Dowd is projecting that by 2020, at the end of 2022, that we will have seen such a massive increase in death under age 44, one 0.7 excess disabled Americans and 43% death increase in people under age 44. Never in our lifetimes have we seen anything on this magnitude. So I don't think there's any way to conclude anything else, but these are dangerous. They are deadly. Depopulation was clearly part of the plan in choosing to use the most lethal part of the coronavirus as far as for all of this technology. And I just want to thank all of you for your courage in speaking out. Dr. Lindsay, Dr. Yeadon, Hedley Reese, all of us are desperately trying to warn the public. America, your life your health, your fertility is at stake. Just say no to any more of the mRNA shots, no matter what name they give it, no matter what they tell you, the lies and deceptions are destroying lives. This is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be back again with another whistleblower report. For more information on all of these critical topics, go to truthforhealth.org, sign up for our email alerts, join our Tuesday evening Faith Over Fear seminars, learn ways you can stand against this assault on God's gift of life and on our human freedom. Say no to creation of transgenic humans by injecting your body with these mRNA shots. We'll be back again with another whistleblower report. Thank you for joining us today. Get involved, get loud, and just say no.